0: I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world.
1: So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way.
0: This week we're talking to travel guru Amin Moman whose London-based company, Momentum Ski, organises bespoke holidays and, these days, more importantly, corporate and personal events for anyone who wants to involve themselves on the most exclusive level in Amin's three great life passions. That's mountains, world-class gastronomy and sports cars. So, Amin Merman, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you on. You. I've known you a long time and um, we're always amazed by just how many celebrities you know and how you created this uh, empire of uh, celebrity entertainment.
1: And how did it all begin?
2: My first uh, ski experience was in Iran. This is pre revolution Iran. When I was eight, where I would ski in the local hills, uh, my father would drop me off on his way to the Caspian Sea and leave me with an instructor first thing in the morning. I was wearing my sister's clothes which were you know ten times bigger her her old leather boots. Uh, anyway, he would leave me there with an instructor all day, sandwich in my jacket, and he'll pick me up about three, four in the afternoon. You know, by then I was completely frozen. But I absolutely loved it. Loved it because I just wanted to slide down the mountain. And that was really my, you know, that was my happiest time being in the mountains. And even the drive to the Caspian Sea, driving through mountains, and those mountain passes was my my fondest memories. And I had absolutely no plans to get involved in this business. I was sent to the UK to have a proper education. Again, this is all pre-revolution, so I was at school here, and I would spend my Christmas holidays skiing skiing in Iran, uh, Easter over there, and summers on the Caspian Sea. Uh, and then in seventy nine, as you know, Peter, things uh, turned upside down. And when I graduated here, I. Just didn't know what to do in terms of a uh, career. I was a little bit lost. I could speak Italian because I was born in Italy. And I started applying apply to lots and lots of companies thinking I would get a job because I spoke Italian. And that wasn't quite the case. Uh, and the 80s was really quite a miserable place to be here um, in the UK. So I just thought, you know what? I've always wanted to live in the mountains. I've always wanted to ski. So I wanted to apply to some of the ski travel companies, to some of the chalet operators. And I set my CV. And I was employed by a company called Lines, who were one of the leading shallow operators at the time. I worked with them as a ski guide. And just the idea was just to do one ski season, get it out of my system, and then come back and get a, a proper job. That's, um, what, that's what a lot of people say. That's what a lot of people say. And after that first ski season, I came back and I was offered a job by uh, um, a language school, company car, salary, and everything that every graduate was looking for. And I just thought, you know what? That was such an amazing experience. I might just go back and do one more. you know. Because meanwhile, also, there was no other career opportunity. Things were upside down in Iran. So I went back, did a second ski season, and I was offered a full-time job at Bladen Lines. So I had absolutely no plans to end up in the ski industry. But very soon, I became Alpine manager, product manager, And I started looking after all the ski resorts from the Southern Alps to Austria. So France, Italy, Switzerland, Austria. And I started building up a great knowledge of all the ski resorts, all the hotels, the mountains, nightclubs, restaurants, you name it. And it was a great time. And in 1995, I was on a press trip, probably with you guys, I can't remember, but um, this fax came through saying, we've sold to Ingham's. We're a big player in the business. I looked at the facts. I thought, okay, this is interesting. Now it's kind of the big boys. So I spent a year whilst the merger was happening. And I soon realized that actually, you know, this is really not for me. And I should be doing my own thing. So and I thought that's just the right time as the company was organizing itself, probably is a good time for me to step away and start organizing tailor made ski trips. That's when I thought that there was a gap in the market for organizing something a bit more bespoke.
0: You obviously you concentrate on Italy, because that's uh... The language and where you spent quite a lot of your life so
2: yeah i was um i was based in italy and you know during the four years where i was the alpine manager i was based in cool air so it kind of became my second home when i set up momentum also my business partner was italian and i think so we became i don't know if that's right we're italophiles but uh we were kind of seen as the Italian specialists, even though we operated all across Europe. The fact that I was living in Courmayeur, so we
0: had credible contacts. But you quickly moved on from skiing to widen your portfolio.
2: Yeah, so it, again, none none of this was planned. I knew that there was a gap in the market for tailor made trips, but you know the market soon changed with the internet, airlines. You could book your own flight. You could soon book the hotel. I think anyone can organise a, a ski trip, but I don't think anyone can actually create a lifetime memory, and that's what I really wanted to do. I really wanted every client to have a similar experience as a press trip in a way, you know, have that ultimate, much more deeper experience on the holidays rather than just flight transfers and hotel, but, you know, the restaurants, even, you know, drink this bottle of wine with this particular meal through the knowledge that I've built over those years. I thought the only way to develop this business, to promote our tailor-made side of the business is to organize events, because events bring people together. So how do I promote at the time Momentum Ski, which is which was a tailor-made tour operator? So why don't I organize an event? If I organize events, it brings people together. And through the events, I can then promote what I do in a way for my bread and butter. And one of the first things that I organized was a ski race. At the time it was the European Mobile Challenge, which was a freestyle ski race where the pros would come, pick up their checks and professional ski race, but it was an incredible race to watch. What we did was open up the race to the holidaymakers that day so they could actually ski down with the same infrastructure, the music, the commentators, etc. And as, and as soon I realized that the thrill that this was creating for people is what I should be doing, you know, just to create that once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's almost the same to you. If you go to the Monaco Grand Prix, you've seen it now, drive your own car, your golf around the racetrack and just feel the same thrill. Up with the same commentators, the audience, etc. So the idea of creating that kind of lifetime memory experience was what I realised I should be doing. And the first event I organised was the City Ski Championships, which was a ski race for London's financial community because I was very much targeting, you know, the heart of the uh, London businesses. And just organically through that, I started getting requests for ski weekends. The ski weekends were from a lot of corporates, banks, property, insurance. And all those then started developing and becoming more and more sophisticated. They wanted everything organized from their food to their guides to absolutely every detail. And so we just kind of listened and evolved with the way the market was also changing. So really, the the tailor-made side of the business, it's still there, but it's really an offshoot of our corporate events and our our groups. But really, the DNA has always been, for me, the events and creating something that brings like-minded people together.
0: What did you first do outside skiing, getting, getting away from skiing? The first, I mean, the first, we started organising some
2: softer adventure for our clients, and mountains in the Alps, treks, biking, rafting, low-impact trips, which, again, we started organising for our corporate clients as well. A summer in the Alps typically was hard to sell because everyone wanted sunshine, they wanted a swimming pool, they wanted a the beach. It was 10, 15 years ago, it was a much harder sale than it is now. I think people now understand that the mountains are quite special and uh, just the, the fresh air and having a little bit more of an active uh, lifestyle rather than just lying on a beach doing nothing. Uh, so that was really the first time we started doing uh, non-ski activities. Um, and that very soon evolved in terms of, you know, after the city ski championships, I organized the um, city tennis championships. So we organised that initially in in Portugal, in Val where there's a big tennis centre and lots of golf courses. But actually, we do that back in the UK now. I think people enjoy more. You know, if they want to play tennis, they like to play tennis and have an incredible time, but be home at the same time rather than travel abroad.
1: Where does that take place in the UK? At the,
2: at the Hurling Club in London, which is a very exclusive private members club. We are also looking at paddle, which is one of the biggest growing sports at the moment it's very likely I'll do that in Europe where we will combine it with sunshine and tennis and other activities and I think that's going to be more geared towards individual clients but again bringing people who share the same passion so you like tennis you bring tennis plays together you like paddle, you bring paddle plays together
0: but very quickly you started through work I guess meeting some pretty famous people yeah and Persuading them to get involved as well. I mean, I can remember years ago. Now, at least I both we went to Silverstone with Ferrari for you. Mm. It was yep. actually
1: fourteen years ago, it popped was up. Was it fourteen? Popped uh, up on my Facebook memories page. It uh-huh. <laughs> <that> was
0: a <laughs> tremendous day of corporate entertainment on the, the day preceding the Grand British Grand Prix. That's right. That's so, right. We'll have forever. Yeah. Tell us about tell us about how you organised something like that. Though. Yeah.
2: So I started. Being in this business, it was 1986 uh, when I started. Throughout all these years, I've just been very, very lucky to meet people from all walks of life. If you count the number of guests that I met over these years, journalists, tourist orchestrators, bus drivers, butchers—you name it—and and as well as celebrities. And particularly, what you're ask, uh, what you're um, referring to was was because Ferrari and Ducati used to do their press launch in Madonna di Campiglio in the Italian Dolomites. Schumacher would be there, Michael Schumacher, you know, all all the Ferrari drivers. There's even a Schumacher run, if you remember, Peter, in in, in Madonna. You know, Montezemolo, who was the chairman of Ferrari, Bernie Eccleston, they would all be at Madonna di Campiglio for a thank you and a launch. And they were very interested in my business, so they invited me along. So indirectly, by organizing that event, they wanted me to send clients to Madonna di Campiglio. Very similar way of thinking, in a way. Um, So I went along to Madonna, and I uh, met the organisers, and that's where I was invited then to come to Silverstone, and I asked you guys to join me.
0: And, of course, uh, you are Italian, half Italian, half Iranian. Yeah. And you also, in those days, were a Ferrari owner yourself.
2: (laughs) I was. I was before the kids were born, yes. Uh, I I did buy a Mondial T, which is a 2 plus 2 with two little seats in the back. And I thought I was being very clever buying the only Ferrari with four seats back in the 80s. But soon I realized that once you have a buggy and everything (laughs) else that goes with the children, nothing fits in there. So it sat in the garage for uh, for a while. And then I just thought, time to sell it and buy an estate car. And that was my biggest mistake of my life. Because I had a... (laughs) Had I kept it, I would have made an absolute fortune because all the 80s cars are now really um, sought after.
0: And about the same time you met, started meeting some pretty famous chefs because food and wine are never far from your thoughts. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so good friends that I've met in the Alps in my early seasons, one of them introduced me to, to fine dining and food. He was one of the reps. He was a rep in Maryville. He then became a restaurant manager in London. And we stayed in touch. In fact, I was his best man at his wedding. But he would just say, "Look, uh, there's a new restaurant opening in London. The, there's a chef called Marco Pierre White." I was going, "Who? Sorry, what?" Oh, Marco Pierre White. Let's go. Let's go now. Have lunch there. So we're going to have lunch there. He introduced me to Marco Pierre White, and I went, "Okay, you know, great." About two years later, he rang me up saying, "Look, I need a big favor. There's another chef who's had a problem with his car hire at Geneva Airport in Switzerland." And I said, "Oh, did he book through us?" He said, "No, no, no. But if you can help him, that'd be great." His name is Gordon Ramsay. I went, okay, fine, you know, put him, ask him to give me a call. So Gordon rings me up and says, look, I had a problem with uh, my car. You know, they haven't refunded me. There was this, there was that. No one's answering me. I said, okay, leave it with me. I'll see what I can do. So I called them and I said, look, this is a friend of a friend. Can you look into this? And they said, so sorry, Mr. Moment. We'll have a full refund for your friend and uh, upgrade next time. So I did this and he said, listen, if you ever want to come and eat in my restaurant, just let me know. Which I did. And then I soon realized, my God, this is actually a very, very big name. And it, he soon became a very big name. And just by that little favor, he invited me to his restaurant. Um, anyway, just through that passion for food and incredible dining experience, uh, I met so I met Heston Blumenthal, who knew this friend of mine. We had a mutual, uh, very good friend. And and I asked Heston if that's, uh, was that, that was his first time skiing. He said, no, I gave up skiing. A long time ago since I was building my own business. And by the way, for those who don't know, Heston Blumenthal owns a fat duck and he was voted the best chef in the world a few years ago. So he has three Michelin stars and you know one of the godfathers really of food. Anyway, so I said, well why don't you come and can I get you to come and connect with the mountains again, having spent 10, 15 years in the kitchen building his business. Um, and he did. And I really was very happy to introduce him to my world and my love of the mountains and he absolutely loved it, and he really reconnected with skiing, and he started bringing his family back, and we spent many ski holidays together. And it was one lunchtime where we were sitting in a mountain restaurant in Cormier with a beautiful view of the valley, one bottle of white, two bottles of red, a beautiful bowl of pasta, and he said, why don't we share this experience with with your clients and share this incredible experience of simple food, great wines in an incredible location? So we said, fine, let's organize an event together. And we started the Mountain Gourmet Ski Experience. And it was simply born out of me introducing him to my world. And, you know, I was so into his world of food and wine, but I was very keen to see what he thought of places that I loved. And that's how it all started. So then we invited, you know, Marcus Wary, who's now a master chef, Jason Atherton, all all the top British chefs came along. But also at the same time, I think the destinations realized that if you bring celebrity chefs to their destination, it attracts attention because people will think, oh, why are they going there? The food must be good. Mm-hmm. So it's a very indirect endorsement also for the destination. So the destination became also very interested. And again, by organizing that event, I started bringing people together, passion for food and wine.
1: So what happens on a mountain gourmet experience?
2: We drag these chefs out of their snazzy kitchens in Knightsbridge and wherever they are, and we ask them to cook in two mountain refuges. So it's bringing a bit of a taste of London or wherever they're based into the Alps, but they also collaborate with a local chef. So typically they will just do two courses each for about 60 guests. And it's an incredible experience. It's it's a one-off because none of them really work together in a kitchen. It's like saying Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and uh, Jimmy Henrix, you know, as a one-off, one-off gig.
0: <laughs> and of course, they find themselves cooking on two gas rings connected to a bottle of butane gas.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's very hard to recreate what they do in London, but it is a unique experience. And also, more importantly, for me, it's great to see these chefs enjoy the Alps and relax because they don't do that. They're not the beach type. And I think this is why it's been great to have a lot of celebrities come to ski with me or to share some of the experiences because they they truly appreciate the mountains it's a great leveler but also they they appreciate that they relax and they have an amazing time and they get away from their day-to-day hectic lives really and i think the mountains have been really a great connection i'd say the same passion that we've all had
0: and cars and motor racing are never far from your thoughts you know you've just come back from monaco what have you been doing there
2: yeah, so I met Damon Hill, the former Formula One world champion and son of Graham Hill, who also won the in Indianapolis, uh, Le Mans, and he was a world a Formula One world champion. And he also, after having spent all his life in the track, I asked him to come out and ski and experience the mountains. So we spent quite a bit of time together. And similarly, he said, why don't we organize something together where we can bring People who enjoy roads, driving. He also came to the gourmet ski experience. So he said, why don't we do a kind of a gourmet drive? I said, well, I can certainly, the you know, the gourmet part of it is quite easy for me. We can put together an amazing itinerary and you can do the driving bit, which is your world. So we created this thing called the Grand Tour. And the first one was to Provence in France, where we drove through some iconic rally roads and mountain passes, stayed in, in incredible hotels. And on the last day, we hired a racetrack. First one was Paul Ricard, where the Grand Prix was. And then uh, Damon would take uh, our clients on a for a hot lap, which was in a Ford GT, which is the most, one of the most amazing cars. And also a performance drive where his son, Josh Hill, would also do some coaching as well. Two weeks ago, we went towards Monaco. Again, a four-day trip, starting in Grasse, which is in France. And it's the kind of the perfume capital of the world. And from there, we went, did some of the Monte Carlo rally routes into the Alps, crossed towards Italy, towards Barola country in Alba, uh, some iconic routes, finished in the Italian Riviera. And then our clients actually went to the Monaco Grand Prix. So they <clears throat> went on one of the yachts to watch it. And so they also experienced a bit of the Formula One. The Formula One part, the race is not really the raison d'etre, but it's the four, three, four days before the Grand Prix. But the Grand Prix is a bit of an add-on if they want to do it. And they spent time with Damon. You see him every day. And if you're a Formula One fan, you get to spend incredible time with him that you wouldn't do otherwise.
1: What sort of clients would you have for this? Are they just individuals who book
2: Individuals. They're all individuals. We have some clients from America uh, who came over from the East Coast. And they're individuals and couples. And they bring their own cars. Our American clients just hired some cars. And there's no rule on the cars, but just enjoy the incredible scenery in the roads and unbelievable food. And Damon Hill's company. If someone had told me Pink Floyd are doing a ski weekend to uh, some unknown ski resort no one's even heard of, I would just go, I'll just say how much I'll go. Same thing.
1: <laughs> of course, they're all fans, aren't they? Yeah,
2: I might, I might fall apart and break apart if I, when I meet them, but yeah.
1: When I look through your website, the three things I see most of all are food, cars and mountains. What, do you have a favourite out of those three?
2: Food, cars and mountains? Yeah. Mountains are. Favourite, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The food comes along with it always. And yeah, in that order. I think cars are third. But I think mountains are where I'm where I'm the happiest. And I've just been very lucky to meet some some incredible people through all these years. Yeah. As I said, a lot of the celebrities, whether they're in sports or in food, this is the time that they come and relax in the mountains. And it's great to share a bit of my knowledge and try and filter that.
0: You probably find you get some celebrities turning up as clients as well.
2: Yes. <laughs> so we've had quite a few um, have booked their ski trips with us. I had once Jeremy Clarkson book a ski trip to Sam Moritz. And anyway, two weeks later, I saw an article in the Sunday Times, which started about how uncomfortable skiing was. And, you know, typically him, we didn't see a single point about what skiing was all about. I just was reading, going, oh my God, this is a disaster. I and mean, I'm going to get towards the end of it i was going to say, and my trip was organised by Momentum Ski. So, as I was reading this entire article about that, nothing made sense, and it was cold and uncomfortable. But then he finishes the saying, "But the, seeing the smile on my kid's face meant everything, and I'll definitely go back."
1: And you also do. I've seen um, Amy Williams bobsleigh and skeleton day in Innsbruck. Is that was yeah. that one off, or was uh, it
2: no? It's not. We've done it a few times. So again, that's that's been that's aimed more at the uh, adrenaline junkies. So, Peter, if you remember, you and I went to St a few years ago. I was challenged by the tourist office director to try the Cresta Run, which is the most famous. Uh, you came to watch. I think it was 5 or 6 in the morning. I had never been so terrified in my whole life. I did not breathe that entire the length of the track.
0: I was just um, terrified watching you being terrified. When I,
2: when I was having the briefing, I can't remember his title, but he was Colonel Digby Willoughby. He said, that village down there is called Salarina. I expect to be there in less than a minute. Anyway, I finished the first uh, first one, and I absolutely loved it. So I went back and did it twice, and I started getting very comfortable with it. And I thought, this is the time to stop. But I thought, there must be people who are interested in doing this. So why don't I get an Olympic gold medalist, Amy Williams? Great Britain is one of the most successful countries in um, this skeleton winning medals and gold, you know, world championships. So uh, Amy and I put this trip together to Innsbruck. Uh, Amy said that Innsbruck is uh, one of the safest tracks in the world. And Innsbruck is a, a beautiful town, Christmas market. And why don't we introduce the thrill of skeleton to some clients? So we had a small group of clients, typically 15, 16 is what you really want. They all had a go. And also we put them in the Olympic bobsleigh where they sat as passengers which is like being inside a washing machine. And they, they absolutely loved it. Again, just seeing the faces as they finished it, you know, the thrill, um, that's uh, incredible expression and satisfaction on the clients was incredible. It was brilliant. So we do that uh, occasionally.
1: I always ask everyone we interview, has anything ever gone wrong? Had any funny disasters or not so funny disasters?
2: Oh, I've got to think about that one. Okay, let's put it this way. If there was a camera crew during my gourmet ski experience, it would have made the best documentary. The chefs, it's another, it's another level. Some of the things that I've seen in the kitchen was extraordinary. So I don't think I can repeat any of it. But
0: um, <laughs>
2: I've, I've had uh, I've had situations where I've had very high paying guests at gourmet ski experience almost not having a dinner. <laughs> mm. Uh, I can't really tell you, really, because...
0: Uh, it sometimes go wrong for everybody. Uh, yes, i will
2: to think about that one.
0: Of course, on a personal level, it can go wrong too, can't it? I well remember on your Skeleton debut in St. Moritz, you crashing out of the track at 75, 80 miles an hour on the famous shuttlecock corner.
2: Yeah, um, the shuttlecock corner, where, I'm, where I still have my tie. Because I always remember, Peter, you always say, that looks like a, a tie from a, a badminton club. Rather, rather than the, you know, it's the well, San Moritz
0: it's one of the two most famous corners of the track. Yeah. And anyone who crashes there gets a tie, isn't that right? That's right, that's right. And it's got a, it's got little shuttlecocks
2: on it.
1: That's because it's so dangerous, and you've survived. I it is.
2: If 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 the skeleton lands on you, it can crush you. And I luckily, when I was up in the air, I ma- I managed to push it away from me. It was scary. You, you was land scary. on a bale of straw, I think, didn't you? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then it was the walk of shame, standing on the side of the road. And every car going past knew what had happened to me.
0: (laughs) Uh, So So what's the future from here? Built this empire of corporate entertainment.
2: Yeah. The future is exciting news. We are expanding our offer. We're not just skiing. We're now doing the Grand Tour. We're doing uh, lots of uh, also summer events for our clients. This autumn, we are going to be evolving our brand. It's very exciting. Uh, Which is kind of our strategy of being an all year round operator rather than just a a ski operator. Um, So nothing dramatic, but the momentum the momentum brand will evolve, which will reflect an all year business rather than just ski. And I think with changing lifestyles, we'll be doing more and more non winter trips, holidays, events, experiences. But really, I want to continue creating lifetime memories and. And these extraordinary experiences will, will continue doing that. And I think the celebrities, in a way, not only just endorse it, but also it gives access to people to meet the, the rock stars of, of their world.
1: If people want to book with you or find out more, how do they do so?
2: At the moment, it says momentumski.com, but that's going to. Change this autumn, but at the moment, everything is under our momentum ski brand or so just drop me an email. I in at momentumski.com or just go to momentumski.com. That's the best way to get in touch with us or call us. We like, we like talking to people.
0: I am in, Momin, thank you very much indeed for appearing on the show today. And we wish you the very best of luck in the future with all your gastronomic and skiing experiences. And on a personal note, we both hope to ski with you again very soon indeed. Great to see you both. Absolutely.
1: That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails, too, at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe. And I am you. And you are me. It's just it's a crazy stuff.